2: wrap up Wrestlemania week here on the Winkly it is me your managing editor Nick Housman and I am joined as I am every Thursday by my good buddy Justin LaBar Justin welcome back to the Winkly
3: oh the Wrestlemania hangover in full effect
2: man you know I was hung I had the hangover last night I came back I relaxed with my girlfriend we watched some Survivor so I watched something non-wrestling last night cleared my brain fell asleep early uh woke up early, and I'm not going to lie, Justin, I am so ready to get back into it. I mean, we are coming back to a whole world of brand-new pro wrestling news, you know?
3: Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not a dull day,
2: that's for sure. Are you like me? I'm sure, I don't know, I'm sure this is the same for you, where you get so into it, right? You're there, you're covering the show, you're out, you're networking. You can't keep track of, like, all of the news that's coming in you know, a uh, moment by moment for me sitting down last night and catching up on the site. I was like, wow, there's so much more news going on than I even thought.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, this. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. It is hard to keep up with. Um, you can stretch yourself out trying to,
2: yeah. Uh, well, we are going to get to uh, everything here today from, uh, I tried to do a condensed version of the past like week of news. Cause if you've listened to the Winkly the last two days, uh, it's just been, Like a diary for me in two parts where I talk about, uh, you know, my memories of the trip. And I also aired some interviews as well. Um, But now we are back into the the normal groove here. Uh, Got Justin here. We're going to talk the news. Uh, So let's get to it here. Before we do, a couple things I want to put at the top. First of all, we have a brand new T-shirt. It's over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling Inc. It's the Jack Journalist T-shirt. It's only 20 bucks. You want to support the site. You want to support this show. Go over. Buy the t-shirt. Also today on the show we've got interviews. Now uh, our good buddy Andy Malnoski walked the floor of WrestleCon. He got a whole bunch of interviews that we're going to be rolling out here on the Winkly over the coming weeks because there's so many. Uh, but today we are going to debut the interviews he did with Road Warrior Animal and Eric Bischoff, who I guess uh, mentions me, Justin, in the new Dark Side of the Ring uh, series on Viceland.
3: Oh, I can't wait to hear that soundbite.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm looking. Well, I guess it's out there. I had so many people walk up to me this week and they go, did you know that Eric mentioned you on Dark Side of the Ring? Um, I guess they're talking about the Lex Luger interview we did one time, and he refers to me as my producer, Nick. So there it is. It's out there. Wild, right? Just, in,
3: just, Just in case you had any confusion about what the working relationship was.
2: Yes, my producer, Nick. Not co-host, producer Nick. Uh, but anyway, that was a great interview we did with Lex Luger. I'm actually really glad that one's finding some life. Of all the things we did, that was a, that was a great bit of audio there. Uh, and also here on today, uh, on today's show, we are going to have our good buddy Jesse Collings back uh, after the interviews. He and I are going to be breaking down the G1 supercar. Jesse is a big New Japan aficionado. Uh, he's also a big ROH aficionado. I, of course, was in MSG covering the G1 And so, Jesse and I get a chance to compare notes. And uh, I just think you guys are going to really like this talk. I recorded it this morning. A lot of great insight here. I I hope you guys uh, stick around and and listen to it here at the end of the show. But with that, let's get to it here. News you can use. News that will leave a bruise. Oh, feels good to say that again. Uh, Let's start with all of the fallout from WrestleMania 35. Uh, First and foremost, Becky Lynch is now your Raw and SmackDown's women's champions. A little bit of controversy here, Justin. Uh, Ronda Rousey's shoulders were not on the on the mat when Becky pinned her. Um, are you surprised they haven't referenced this? What do you think happened here?
3: Well, I mean, I do think that um, the ref started to uh, count prematurely before Ronda did get her shoulders set on the mat. Um, I mean, they did reference it right there live. I mean, they started the, the commentators started just by like you know questioning Graves and and everybody questioning you know were, were her shoulders down. Um, you know, so but the, here's the thing, the bottom line is uh the match still went off otherwise the way it was supposed to. Becky still won the way she was supposed to. Um, if anything, this is kind of like a little bit of a blessing in disguise because it just adds a little bit more controversy to, you know, set up a future match, which you assume you're gonna have again with a Becky and Rhonda, whenever it might be, even if it's a year from now. Yeah. And this was Rock or this was Rhonda's first pin. So it helps protect her even more that it's not without some controversy. So it helps still keep that baddest woman on the planet for her.
2: Yeah, I I agree that, you know, I I like that Ronda wasn't there uh, this past week on TV. You know, Becky's getting her moment there. You know, Lacey Evans came out and attacked Becky on Raw SmackDown. Looks like we're going to swing from one vine to the next here with those two. But yeah, Ronda coming back here whenever she may come back, if she comes back, certainly has a, a case to be made there with Becky. And you can pretty quickly get back into it. I know that. Uh, the Wrestling Observer or the Sports Illustrated uh, was reporting that WWE definitely wants to do a rematch between these two, uh, possibly at WrestleMania next year. So we shall see. It does seem like it's in the cards. But uh, also of note, coming out of this bout, uh, Wrestling Observer reporting that Ronda Rousey significantly broke her hand while throwing punches in this match. And I almost wonder if that didn't play into the the pinfall as well. Maybe she was just distracted or in pain if her hand was broken.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I. Um... <clears throat> I haven't. I, I was there live. I, I haven't watched the full match back. I went to watch the finish back, you know, on the on the network. I haven't watched the full match, so I don't know where. I haven't seen the strikes of where she may have injured her hand. I mean, at that, you know, I mean, you're supposed to be throwing some working strikes. So I'm curious to see what strikes she decided to throw that caused a broken hand.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, also on the card, Seth Rollins. He won the WWE Universal Championship. He beat Brock Lesnar in two minutes and thirty seconds. Uh, it was the first match of the show uh, being reported by The Observer that uh, I guess Hulk didn't know this was going to happen until he uh, walked past them, until Paul Heyman walked past him on the top of the entrance ramp. Uh, but also they're reporting that the decision to have it open the show was made very last minute. It was originally scheduled the main event. They were going to open with Orton uh, versus AJ Styles, I guess, around 3 o'clock that day. The card got changed. Uh, I thought it was an awesome way to end the show. I mean, if you're just going to have Seth beat Brock, why make people wait? That's a big moment. I thought it was hot. Uh, and it left me wondering, um, what's next for Brock Lesnar? I would imagine UFC seems to be in the cards.
3: Yeah, this was a great Open. I'm always, I, I've said this over and over. I mean, I, I think I, the way you start a show is just as important as how you end it. Uh, and then, you know, when you have as many world titles as we do now, you know, when you had a, a very prominent world title with the women, that's the main event. And then you have, obviously, the, the Kofi Bryan match. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I think you need to spread the world title matches out. And they did just that. They literally spread them out about as far as they could. Um, throughout the card. So yeah, this is well done. Seth wins. Uh, you know, it wasn't a complete lock either way. I think you can make a case. I mean, again, Brock has continually won the last few years when we thought that he would lose. But yeah, Seth wins, uh, fresh now for the Universal title. And yeah, I would agree. I, I would assume Brock disappears for a bit and um, pursues whatever the octagon has formed
2: yeah and we had another world champion of course crowned uh at wrestlemania kofi kingston defeated daniel bryan to win the wwe world championship uh there were some uh, I- i'm so glad i didn't know this justin but i guess it got out there that wwe had spoiled the finish for this match by releasing the kofi kingston uh the new champ is here uh yes he is or whatever shirt uh, online um i saw this after the fact to all of you that were on twitter sharing this around shame on you Shame on you, shame on you. That's all I have to say. But great match here. Apparently, the observers saying Daniel Bryan may have been injured in this bout. But for my money, Justin, this was the biggest pop of the night. This was the biggest pop of the weekend. I know why they did the women's triple threat in the main event, but I think it would have uh, the show would have ended on as big, if not maybe more, of an emotional note than when uh, Kofi Kingston won that title.
3: Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, again, I was in full support of the women main eventing this going into it. And I'm not to say that they disappointed because they did not. It was a very entertaining match and it told the story and it, it was it was great. It was a good moment for Becky. But yes, in hindsight, I think if you would have put the Kofi versus Brian bell to bell match last and that have ended the show, uh, it would have been a little bit more WrestleMania fitting. Again, people were very much behind the Becky celebration, but just because it did come so abruptly and so. With some controversy, yeah, you know, I, I think it would have fit better having Kofi versus Brian ended. But again, that's a, that's a complete hindsight,
2: you know. And that's the thing is, I was up in the press booth, I'm like behind bulletproof glass, and I can only really feel the audience more than hear them. Um, you were down in the crowd, um, sitting like right in front of Macaulay Culkin, right? And, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, tell me what that was like for the fans' reaction because I'm with you, I think that there was like almost an animus towards the finish, especially since it was so obvious that Ronda was not actually pinned.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how, I can't speak to how many people live call whether or not she was fully pinned. Like, it was more of just like, you expected the finish to be something similar to Rollins, Lesnar, Kofi Bryan, in the sense of there's just that few seconds of setup and you know Becky's getting ready to hit. You know, like, you know, with Seth Rollins, you know, he's setting up. He's setting up curb stomp. Like, so you know it's coming. You know, Kofi set up, set up trouble and pair. Like, so you were just waiting for that, that that initial quick build. You know, so um, so so Rhonda having having Becky on her shoulders, getting set for the for the for the Piper's pit or whatever she calls it, and then Becky just rolling her up in a crucifix. You just figure, okay, here's another near fall coming. So I mean, I saw many people who, you know, maybe their head are on their their heads are down on their phones, or maybe you know they're just they they're just not they know this is or they they assume they know that this is not the finish just is not the, the, the important moment. And then one, two, three, it is, um, it it just kind of caught everybody off guard. I mean, people started celebrating, but yeah, it it did not have the emotional surge of celebration because it came so abruptly again, compared to what Seth and certainly compared to what Kofi got.
2: Yeah. And you know, with Kofi there with his kids and that one, his one son who was just like the star of the weekend, the kid who kept climbing up on the (laughs) second turnbuckle with the intensity of Batista, that kid was a, that's a star in the making right there. Um, It was just a great moment. I mean, regardless, I'm happy Kofi got to have that moment. But, yeah, it it did. It felt more of it felt of all of the moments on that show. I think that was probably the top WrestleMania level moment, I think, was the Kofi win. Right.
3: I agree. Uh, 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 Yeah. In terms of match winners. Yes.
2: Yes. Well, what do you think was a bigger moment in general? What do you think was bigger than that?
3: Well, I mean, look, you know, having a complete surprise of having the doctor of Thugonomics come out that I mean, come on. never mind, never mind the surprise of it. But I mean, let's 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 not lose focus on the fact that you're in the New York market and John Cena's got 80,000 people and complete happiness and cheering him. There was no let's go Cena, Cena sucks. There was no booze of this is cheesy or this is a disappointment. We wanted somebody else to interrupt Elias, uh, you know, because I mean, look, we've all speculated. Who could interrupt the lies? Could it be Cena? And, and and when we do speculate, Cena, we assume it's hustle loyalty respect Cena. You know, who is it? Cena? Is it Undertaker? Is it The Rock? You know, so there's a lot of names that get thrown out in our fantasy booking. So the fact that it does end up being John Cena, and but it's it's it's, it's a throwback version of him that many fans, you know, it's you know, and he and Cena even references it where he says, you know, you got a raw deal. I'm about to turn heel, you know. How many times have we heard people over the years once seen a turn heel they wanted to go back to you know where he was you know uh, you know very much more edgy and more adult language. So the fact that we got that even if just for one night and it was a complete surprise, uh, that was a big big WrestleMania moment. Again, it's not a it's not a match winner, it's not a title change, it's not a start of a new era, but certainly that was a uh, that's going to be in the highlight reel of the 35 years of WrestleMania, you know for sure.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I, I get it. You, I mean, you make some good points, but for me, the Kofi win was far bigger than John Cena coming back as the Doctor of Thuganomics. Um, I also, I also think that, and I feel a little bit trolled here. Look, I, I was, I was not against Baron Corbin, the Kurt Angle, in the farewell match. I don't think that match really resonated as strongly as uh, many could have hoped. probably people backstage. Um, if you're gonna have. John Cena as the doctor of thugonomics and you're going to have Kurt angle in his farewell match, how you do not marry those things together is beyond me. That was the WrestleMania moment. It, I think it would have, I think it would have meant more. I think it would have been more along the lines you're talking about if that had happened, but as a standalone thing where he's ragging Elias, it feels weird to me. Yeah. To yeah. Uh, let's also touch on the fact that Batista has announced he is retired from Sports Entertainment following his match with Triple H. Uh, largely, I thought this was one of the better bouts Batista and Triple H had. I was a little worried at the top that Batista may have injured himself getting into the ring, but it doesn't seem to get- <laughs> I mean, right? I, th- I was like, oh, my God, this guy just tore his quad. Oh, my God. This is ridiculous. But you,
3: but, you know, it begs the question. You kind of assume that Batista knew going into this personally that, okay, like I'm going to go out and do this match, and this is probably going to be it. So it begs the question: Why wouldn't you have just just to make the advertisement sexier? Why wouldn't you have just made this a retirement match both ways? You know, Triple H says, "If I lose, if I can't beat a, uh, whatever he called him, Batista, whatever he called him in the promo, if I can't beat you, then I'm this is my last match." So why wouldn't you just have some? Why wouldn't you have just made it somehow where it's Batista if he, can, if he can't b- beat the, the power driven, power hungry executive, then I'm retired. Like just to make it. Uh, you know, I think, I mean, as soon as Triple H put his career on the line, I think that probably eliminated, at least to most, at least to people like you and I, that kind of eliminated any possibility of him losing. We're like, okay, Triple H is not going to stop wrestling. He's just he's in phenomenal shape and he's there. So he's going to keep doing it when he wants to. So at least if they would have had Batista put his on on the line, at least would have made you go all right, well, at least now I know that I'm for sure probably watching Batista's life. I don't know. I just feel like it's just kind of a waste. Why wouldn't you do it? It it, would have brought no harm if if Batista, in fact, did know that he was going to call it quits.
4: Well,
2: and I think he knew he was going to call it quits because if you remember on the TakeOver media call, there was that one, like, UK guy who just straight up asked Hunter about his match with Batista, and Triple H was like, yeah, you know, we're I wanna help Batista go out the way he wants to go out. I mean, they were already talking about like how this was yeah. Batista's swan song on the on the media call, you know? Right. So right. um, uh, but yeah, for what it was, I mean, Shades of Deathmatch Wrestling, I thought was interesting there with some of the stuff they were doing. That that nose ring spot, it was different. It was a different kind of match. I like this one.
3: Uh, you know, and <clears throat> it was the longest match of the night. Uh over twenty four minutes. And I, I gotta say, I, I mean, I think if it would have been about ten to ten minutes shorter. Sure, you know I think it was just a little bit too long for what it ended up being. It, it, it was not. It was not my favorite. It did. It, it, it did not hit the expectation that I thought it could. I thought, okay, this is probably the last time we see this match. Maybe this is one of the last matches for Batista. I just, and, and, you know, and they're not. They're you know Triple H and Batista. They're not week to week regular full time stars who are under complete Vince control. You know, I mean, this is kind of a novelty match. Triple H can then can probably do what they want. I just kind of thought that we would see something a little bit more. I don't know. I, I, it didn't hit the expectation for me. It was not my favorite Triple H WrestleMania match.
2: Uh, no, I'm not going to say favorite by far. I, I mean, honestly, my expectations were, like, minimal for these two. I mean, Batista hadn't wrestled in so long. I don't really – I didn't know I didn't know how these two would gel, especially since their, like, mic chemistry did not gel in the buildup to this, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, for what it was, I, I mean, I'm 100% with you. 10, 12 minutes less. Could have, could have been shorter. Um, but they went and tried to have a different kind of match on the card which I was okay with. Um, it is sad that when you you talk about it being the longest match, I had not realized this was the longest match on the show. Uh, the Observer was reporting that Samoa Joe and Mysterio, their match got cut short due to some time restraints that were happening because the, gar- the card had gone too long. Um, I believe, was that? I don't remember where that was on the card. I think that, m- m- no, that was before Hunter and Batista, I think, wasn't it? The- no,
3: I think I think Joe and Ray were after.
2: Was it right after? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was, a, that was out of nowhere, and I guess Ray's not dealing with an injury or anything, so I just felt bad. Those two could have had a good bout if they'd have had a little bit more time, you know?
3: Yeah, Triple H and Batista was uh, I, think they, I think they were longer by about a minute change
2: than what Kofi and Brian were. Okay. Um, well, uh, also on the card here, a couple other uh, new champions crowned. The Iconics won the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, I guess there's like a bit of controversy around this year. I'm not I haven't been able to like dig too deep into this as I'm still catching up on everything, but like Sasha Banks pulled out of Wendy Williams, her appearance last minute due to a family emergency a couple days ago. And then like Bailey fought Alexa bliss uh, on raw. And I guess there were rumors that Sasha was supposed to be in that role. Um, what are you hearing about this? What's going on here with the women's tag title picture in your opinion?
3: Well, first off, I mean, I I, I like the Iconics. I, I, I think that they um they uh they kind of remind me in a, in a way that they had they had that, that edge and Christian kind of goofiness to them. Um, but mm-hmm. but I think that they can continue to get better in the ring. Um sure. Oh, and by the way, you're right. Samoa Joe and Ray was before Triple H Batista. I thought so. so. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at the order right now. Yeah, I don't want to heat um, on them.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. In terms of the Sasha stuff, so I've seen the, I've seen the, so this is, I've seen Sasha. She's used a hashtag. If you only knew, and she canceled the appearance of the Wendy Williams. Apparently, very late, and so the Wendy Williams production people were obviously very agitated by that. um Then there was like a back and forth with like Sasha and Alexa Bliss, where I think she, I think Alexa Bliss blocked Sasha. Yeah, and Sasha,
2: Sasha like screen grabbed it right, and then posted the photo yeah. of it. Yeah.
3: Uh, so I don't know if that's being done as a work, like, hey, well, I'm gonna block. I, I don't know, but there's there seems to be something of uh, of note, and, and I mean, and and Sasha obviously her 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 uh, her run on Raw and SmackDown over the years has certainly been not without uh, uh, critically you know critically attacking the booking in terms of you know winning titles, losing titles, uh, is being invested in, and all of a sudden she's you know not being on TV, so. I can imagine there's probably some frustration on her part how Alexa Bliss comes into play, how her not going to Wendy Wendy Williams. I, I don't know. I, I don't have the answer for how these dots are being connected.
2: Yeah. All we know is Sasha said she pulled out due to a family emergency. So uh, it was weird, though, because I was also like, I, like you started. I like the Iconics as well. I think they're great. I think they'll be good tag champs. I liked how they were getting back to being more heelish on SmackDown, beating down the, the local women. Um, but this is all got, this over got, this all got overshadowed real quickly to me. Like, apparently like there's issues with Sasha and that's why this switch happened or whatever. So I'm as interested in everybody to figure out what's going on here. Um, because yeah, Sasha's, Sasha's great. I I don't, I I hope nothing's wrong, you know? So, yeah. Um, also, uh, of note, uh, we'll see, we'll get to the other title change that happened on the show here. Uh, Baron Corbin or not Baron Corbin, Finn Balor captured the IC title, channeling the demon, beating Bobby Lashley. Another quick bout here. Would seem the victim of uh, you know, shortness of time. This I know was after Triple H and Batista because um, you know, this this was the, the semi main event of the show. Um it was it, you know, it's weird. The, the demon thing, it was so hot there for a while, and then they didn't do it for a while. I've heard from a lot of people they're like, I'm not feeling it now. I, I don't know why that is. People I think of just mm, I don't know. It's passed them by, I think, the demon gimmick.
3: Yeah, I mean, this didn't mean much to me. I mean, this was uh, this is the last match before the women's main event. I mean, at this point, as, as the demon entrance is happening, you know, we're we're approaching we're approaching midnight. You know, it was like eleven forty-five, I think. I mean, so at this point, it's like I've seen everything else. I didn't really have too much interest in the build to this match, anyways. So, uh, you know, again, I'm just ready at this point just to see the women and, and call it a night. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it it was uh, it was it was nothing.
2: Uh, Shane McMahon beat The Miz after a big fall off the camera rig uh, stadium. uh, uh, Stadium here based out of Chicago did an interview with CM Punk where he thinks that Shane is trolling him using that best-in-the-world moniker. uh, You think? Maybe. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this was – I mean, you talk about WrestleMania moments. This felt like a mania moment here Shane and Miz delivered with that big fall. And I got to believe this is going to move towards, I think, the next Saudi show or maybe Money in the Bank where Shane and Miz – uh, are battling for that best in the world trophy, which got brought back into the mix at SmackDown.
3: And if you go to my personal Twitter at Justin Labar, uh, if you <clears throat> scroll back to Mania Day, uh, I actually and I took some live video. I, I was sitting in the hard camera section, so I was up, uh, I was up and behind where they where they were, and I got a, a pretty interesting angle from uh, of the suplex in the fall. So you can check that out.
2: Uh, AJ Styles uh, suffered a hip injury in his match with Randy Orton. Uh, he, did an, he did some talking, I guess, via his Mixer account, which is a platform I've never heard of, but I guess that that's a thing he has an account for, um, where he said that nothing broke, he got the x-rays back, he should be all good. So there's your AJ Styles update. Uh, also, also coming out of this match, Randy Orton had to apologize to the fans for the bright light in their eyes during his match with AJ Styles. Uh, this has happened a couple years in a row now with these bright lights and stuff. Uh, I would think it's just because it's so hard to imagine every single angle in the arena, but it sucks to hear the fans' experience got ruined like that.
3: Yeah, and the fact that uh, you know Orton's Orton's kind of no—I mean, you know, Orton's a veteran, so you just just by that uh, status alone, you do, you kind of assume that he probably you know has a pretty open door policy of and he's going to speak his mind and, and what have you. And he, he's also probably just going to speak his mind on social when he wants to, and you know, he's got some again, he's got some status, so it's not like you're just going to um, disrespect him and, and what have you. So the fact that he went on and on social media and uh, gave the apology and kind of, you know, had a tone of 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 upset as he should be that you know people couldn't watch his match because of the damn production, you know, of, of the lighting. Um, you know, that kind of says I'm sure he had some frustration that he that he that he vented that you know him and him and him and AJ are busting their butts to uh, you know, do this match and 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 you know the crowd is just distracted by this. So uh, yeah, I mean, every year it's you know whether it's lights or i remember in miami some years ago it was people were chanting about how the, the, the palm trees like the, the the pillars that were holding up the lighting scaffolding and, and the whole oh yeah uh it was palm trees and they were very thick palm trees so you know there was a a range of rows and sections on the corners that you could not see anything i mean it, i mean it's you know, getting these massive crowds at WWE's touting, and of course, you know, you know, very profitable live gates. It all comes with the risk of, of you know, trying to accommodate people. Yes,
2: yeah, so well, let's talk about the records they broke here. Uh, towards the end, I was given a press release, which I'm holding in my hand right now, and uh, uh, it says here, w- WrestleMania 35 was the second highest grossing event in WWE history, only behind WrestleMania 32 at at and Stadium in Texas. Um, it broke the record for MetLife Stadium's highest-grossing e- entertainment event. It uh, grossed $16.9 million, surpassing the previous record of $12.3 million, which was set by WrestleMania 29 in 2013. Uh, it was also the third most attended WrestleMania of all time. WrestleMania 32 in Dallas did 101000 101,000 change. WrestleMania 3 Pontiac Silverdome, allegedly did 93,173 fans. And then of course, WrestleMania 35 uh, did 82,265. But you know, these numbers, Justin, how seriously do you take these numbers?
3: Well, there's obviously some freebies and some inflation and stuff like that, but there's no denying that it it still doesn't take away. You know, we can get, we can, we can nitpick over specific digits, but it's obviously it's one of the You know, just, just by just use your damn eyes. It was obviously one of the most attended and, I completely believe one of the highest-grossing. I mean, the the ticket market. Now, again, m- m- you know, my main sponsor on on my wrestling rally podcast is with Ticket King, uh, TicketKingOnline.com, and you know, we did the suite, the tailgates, all that stuff. So, uh, I, I get very clued into the ticket market these days. And you know, the market of what the tickets were just uh, just an hour or two before the doors open was insane. I mean, it, 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 there was no, you know, sometimes when you get close to events, concerts, wrestling, anything you know people ticket brokers or whatever they get desperate and then the prices will drop you know because i just need to get rid of them at this point that did not happen the prices just were insane i mean like the, the, there, there were people and i know that it's gone i know that some accounts went viral and there was complaints there were people who ended up buying 600 hundred dollar tickets to sit halfway behind the stage and the screen and they could only see half the ring and they, and they spent 600 something dollars like that's insane that is just an insane price to pay to be able to see half of a ring and not even be able to see the entrances, you know, that's just, so I completely believe that they had one of the highest gates ever.
2: Uh, Also uh, coming out of this weekend at WrestleMania, Biggie tweeted that him and Hulk Hogan had a chance to talk backstage. He said, Biggie said he would like to think that everyone has a path to redemption. And he thanked Hulk Hogan uh, for taking the time to apologize. And uh, here's his side of the story. You, you got a little bit involved uh, and but maybe you're responsible for this conversation, Justin, because you tweeted out that uh, the new day didn't stand for Hulk Hogan when he came out at the Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you watch the network, you probably catch that. I mean, they they, they weren't standing. But yeah, I mean, I did tweet it, and it, and it was, I mean, had like I had several thousand likes and retweets and whatever. So I mean, yeah, it was certainly a conversation that I, I know that I was helping. Ju- I wouldn't even try to start a conversation. I mean, I, I literally just am just doing live coverage and just just giving people. Uh, hey if, if if you haven't caught this, here's some just some observations. Um so yeah, that they they, they did not stand at all the new day when Hogan came out. Um, they didn't react, you know, they didn't laugh. They didn't do anything in terms of any positive reaction. Uh, but hey, yeah, good if if, if Big Eve and Hogan talked about you know whatever. Whatever their issues are, whatever whatever Big Eve felt like he needed to you know, whatever. I, I mean uh, good that they uh, you know were able to talk and move on from it.
2: Yeah. So uh, we will see if that helps uh helps uh Hulk's position here on the company. Of course they brought him back at a WrestleMania, but you know there was a lot of rumors about his relationship with uh, some of the members of the roster following his backstage uh, speech. So you know we'll see here. Time will tell. Like Biggie said, everyone should have a, uh, like to think everyone would have a path to redemption. Um, we also had issues with the transit following WrestleMania. Uh, the uh, city of New York blaming WWE for their show going over. That's why there there weren't enough trains. How was your experience getting out of the venue uh, of MetLife, Justin?
3: Um, far better than what it was in 29. And it was actually pretty easy. I, 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 I switched my Sunday night. I stayed at a hotel that I didn't stay at the rest of the week. And it was a hotel that was there within the loop right there and within the the sports complex loop. So it was a a pretty easy trip for me. I I hung around for about a half hour watching production tear down, just letting, just letting people get out of their seats. I got out. I mean, I I was back in a hotel probably by you 115 or 120 so uh, not too bad compared to the nightmare that uh, people experience with the new jersey transit and such uh shutting down
2: yeah what a wild yeah i also like you i i managed to have an escape route planned uh, i wasn't staying as close as you were but i had a, a venue or a restaurant i knew nearby that i could walk to and i was able to get a car from there but it was just chaos out there it was it was wild you know walking past those train stations being shut down and everything so I hope yeah,
3: there's, there's going to have to be, I mean, if WWE, I mean, you know, and look, apparently I guess like WWE didn't inform New Jersey government until really late that they were going to go until really like last minute that they were going to go this long. I think the New Jersey governor had some quote like this is dog ate my homework type of excuses from WWE. I mean, so kind of ugly stuff here. If WWE is going to have to, you know, nor New Orleans is a great city because everything's right there. You can walk, but WWE has to make a habit here if, of if, if they're going to have this many people. And great on them that they're able to get this many people to these events. They're going to have to shell out. I don't know if it's a hundred thousand or if we're in the millions here of expense, but obviously they have the money here. They're going to have to invest in some type of look. We're going to have, you know, two hundred shuttle buses or one hundred. Uh, they're going to have to do something to where they really bring in some 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 shuttling and transportation to help get people in and out, even if it's in and out to then a, a major. I don't know. The yeah. WWE is going to have to take some positive PR and provide some quick well, transportation just to get people off the grounds of these stadiums.
2: Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like when I see an environment like that, like I worry a little bit, you know, like what if something had not What if somebody gotten trampled or something like that? You know, like, you know, who's the heat get past you on that one? So yeah. I'm with you. I like the shuttle idea. That'd be great if they could uh, accommodate more fans more easily. Uh, last bit coming out directly of WrestleMania, uh, Pat McAfee on his radio show shared a story about how Michael Cole Uh, flipped out on him uh, right before the pre-show kicked off because he decided to wear uh, a suit. He had a custom uh, tuxedo made that had, like, shorts instead of, like, suit tuxedo pants. They were, like, tuxedo shorts. I guess Michael Cole thought that this was going to destroy him in the eyes of Vince McMahon, uh, not let him back. But after Vince was showing a photo, I guess, of LeBron James wearing suit shorts, Vince was like, I'm hip to it. Sure, yeah, let him wear them. I don't care. Uh, And then everything died down. But uh, the way Pat tells it, Uh, Michael Cole went off on him and he nearly left the show before it started because he just didn't want to be yelled at and treated like a child by Michael Cole. I've heard a lot of stories about Vince and stuff acting like that. This was the first time I'd ever heard about Michael Cole uh, going off the leash like that.
3: Well, I think Cole was going to bat for Pat McAfee first off. I think Cole, I think Cole's been a
2: supporter of uh, of Pat Uh,
3: Cole, you know, Cole is, is generally in charge of all the announcers and all the on camera kind of talking heads like that. So, I mean, from Cole's perspective, you know, he probably thinks, okay, this is this is partially my ass. You know, like, if, you know, if this is the first time that Vince is seeing this guy, Pat McAfee, and he's out there at WrestleMania, Vince's baby, doing a parody of a of a, of a tuxedo, and if Vince takes that as a, as disrespect, you know, it, it, there might be some heat going to come back to Cole. So I get Cole's um, involvement and in, and in feeling, you know, that of his involvement in the situation. Yeah, I mean, whether or not he should have handled it the way he did, I, I'm not, I can't, you know, who am I to say? But it's funny because Pat even said. I think he said it on his podcast prior to mania that he was going to wear something, you know, cause I mean, Pat just his own style. You know, you had him on the show Pat, Pat was going to wear something that was, that was different. And he said that either it's going to be either really liked or really not liked. so, I mean, he kind of, he knew that this was coming. So, but I mean, at the end, I'm glad that it all worked out and
2: uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wild story. Wild story. Go listen to it. Uh, let's move into some news coming out of Raw and SmackDown. Lars Sullivan officially made his main roster debut. He attacked Kurt Angle on Raw. Then he attacked the new tag team champions of SmackDown, the Hardy Boys, the next night. Uh, how do you think uh, Lars' uh, dual debuts came across here?
3: Uh, short and sweet. Obviously, we've been anticipating it. I mean, he looked dominant. Um, I like the music. I like this kind of like a little horror effect in that music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, not too much to judge. I mean, he didn't you know, he didn't botch anything. I mean, it was very, again, very quick just kind of come out and do some power offense. And obviously they picked good victims. So they picked very sympathetic baby face victims and, and, and a retired Kurt angle. And of course, very, you know, loved Hardy boys. So, uh, so far, again, short and sweet, not much to judge so far. So good. Uh, We'll see uh, how many weeks or months. It's just the reign of terror of attacks before we get into some meat and potatoes storyline and promos and, Stuff like that.
2: A little weird that the Hardys would win the tag titles, though, especially over such a dominant tag team as the Usos, only to get laid out by a single man. You know, that was the only complaint I really heard from people was like, oh, how how can they squash the champions? What's your what's your response to that?
3: My response? Well, I mean, I, I and I see I see that question. I see that criticism, that, that criticism question. My, my response, I guess, would be being the fact that Superstar Draft is next week. Is maybe for whatever reason WWE needed, they they were determined to get those tag titles on the Hardys this week, but obviously s- still felt that they were a good choice to have large attack. So that just that's just how it came out that they wanted the Hardys to be champions going into this, this shakeup next week, and or it was just that 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 was on purpose, and they figured, okay, let's have the Hardys win the tag titles. People want to celebrate, and here comes this guy who's going to ruin the, and crash the party.
2: Yeah. There's the response, everyone, to your to your criticisms of that booking. Uh, Sami Zayn also returned on Raw. Uh, he returned cutting a promo on fans after taking a loss on Raw about how uh, the fans were ungrateful and they've uh, gotten an ego now and they think that they're in control. Uh, he did more of the same on SmackDown, or he teased it on SmackDown in the dark match segment. He really came out and roasted the fans again before Kevin Owens laid him out with a couple stunners. Uh, I like this Sami Zayn. Um, it's a little similar to the character Daniel Bryan is playing now. I wonder if they keep them on the same brand or even pair them together would be my my wonder going forward, you know?
3: Yeah, I, I did notice the similarities. and I do think adding Sami Zayn to the the Bryan entourage would, would be fitting. Um, I thought the promos were good, uh, but especially the one on Raw, I was there live to see? I thought it was good. Um, you know, the fact that he came back on his night back and he lost, I mean, I still think that there's some, you know, like, okay, let's – Let's see how much value let, – let's see how important he is on the pecking order as as the booking goes now week to week with him back. But I do think one of the best options creatively for him could be to pair him with Daniel Bryan for sure. Uh,
2: Undertaker also came out on Monday Night Raw, appeared, laid out Elias. Uh, he was the other name that people were like, oh, is he going to uh, interrupt him at WrestleMania? You got both. You got John Cena and The Undertaker. They both got their hands on Elias here. Um, very, it wasn't until this moment I didn't realize – this was like the first WrestleMania without the Undertaker in, in quite a while. They, they they held him off until Monday Night Raw.
3: Oh yeah, no, I, I walked out of Mania thinking that like, wow, this is pretty uh, pretty historic. Um, yeah, this was a great segment. This was fun. I, I know it. You know, for a guy like Elias, who has been a wrestling fan all of his life. I know that's got to be you know for that's got to be a huge moment to have that, uh, or a huge just back to back night of having the segment with John Cena, which he's had many before, but still it's still special. And then of course one with Taker. Um, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I would imagine probably if there was some purpose to this, that this maybe leads to we've heard Taker being booked for a Saudi show. So this would probably be a Saudi Saudi match.
2: Yeah. And Taker's looking good, man. He looks way better than he did the last time he was in competition.
3: Yeah. I mean, he looks trim, real trim.
2: Yeah, he looks fit, you know, so I'm I'm interested to see Taker. You know, I know he probably can't be happy with some of the fan reactions and criticisms of his last couple bouts. So I wonder if he dropped that weight and wants to have a couple of real classics here again. At least that would be my hope if he's sticking around. Um, sure. the, the fans um, really turned on the main event of Raw. Uh, I was there live. It went from a plus 10 to a negative 10 after they got the uh, the tease of the winner-take-all match between Kofi and Seth, only to be made into a tag match at the bar. AEW chants, CM Punk chants um, ringing through. Uh, it rolled over into the dark match. Like Rollins tried to calm the crowd by bringing out Roman. The crowd booed Roman? Roman Reigns? Cancer survivor Roman Reigns? Um, which Seth had to bring up. And then they really didn't get back on their side until Dean came out to do his, his final farewell. Um, how do you think it was a misstep or, or do you think they just didn't see it coming? The level of heat they got for that main event change. What, what was your take on it?
3: I mean, it's a bad decision. It was a bad.
2: Decision. <laughs> was a bad de- I, Thank you. Yeah. It was a bad decision. Agreed.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I get, I guess this was just naive thinking uh, by the powers to be that, Everybody's really happy that Seth just got the title off Brock. Everybody's thrilled that Kofi got his. So of course they'll be fine if they team up. Ha, ha ha And they would have been fine if they teamed up had you not had you not promised them a winner take all, epic one on one match. If you would have just at the start of the night having the Rollins Kofi promo and their promo with each other, and then the bar comes out and interrupts them, and that's just the match. Well, okay, it's not as thrilling, but the, then everybody just would have just been like, okay, you know, it, it would have it would have been less less volatile but the fact that you say you're going to get this winner take all somebody's walking out with both titles this is your main event i mean i was geeked for the next three hours like this is huge this is night after raw stuff this is some big level crap and then to turn it into the the obligatory tag match which which is the kind of booking that the fans are constantly getting pissed about which is you know now we're going to turn this into a tag match now we're going to turn this into six minute. Ta- that means nothing i mean what the hell did they expect You know,
2: yeah, Uh, very bizarre, very bizarre. And then, yeah, like I said, got it back on with Dean at the end there. Dean came out did his big send off. I talked about this a little bit uh, on the podcast the past couple of days. Um, But, you know, I've I've heard, you know, I've heard mixed things like uh, many have right now. I mean, I've heard that Dean could be going to the Indies. Uh, I've heard he could be taking a long break and maybe we'll come back. I will say I think it's very weird if he actually is leaving, how how nicely they sent him off. I will have never. I don't. I can't think of another time I've ever seen WWE pleasantly let someone go on their way, possibly to fresh competition.
3: Well, I mean, they're not putting them on TV, so it's not like they're. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, and let's also not forget too. I just make sure we mention this. Uh, Cesaro running into the crowd to get the beach balls.
2: Oh, it was great. Yeah, he was moving like a gazelle, like jumping over those barricades to grab them. It was wonderful. Agreed. Um, but, yes, with Dean, I don't know. We'll see. I wouldn't be shocked if he showed up in six months at, at SummerSlam or something like that and got back in the mix. It just seems a little weird to me how they sent him off, you know? So.
3: Well, absence does make their heart grow fonder, so they want to capitalize on whatever the situation is. And if they do, let him just go away for a while and then come back. That's not, that certainly would be the re-energizing that his character would need. Or maybe he comes back and he's completely repackaged.
2: Yeah, who knows? But uh, I'll believe it when I see it in regards to the Indies and AEW. I'll leave it that way. Uh, EC3, the next night on SmackDown in the dark match before the show, uh, debuted with a manager, new manager, his buddy Drake Maverick now on his side. I was excited to see these guys, uh, EC3 with Drake took on Luke Harper and Luke's first match back to the main roster in front of a live crowd, big live crowd, uh, EC3 took the loss here. Um, of course, Luke Harper recently talked about how unhappy he was and how he wants to make strides. I see this as a big win for both men. It was a dark match. So another loss isn't going to kill EC3. But I will say this, he seemed a hell of a lot more engaged and having more fun with Drake along his, uh, by his side, and I hope they keep him together. And I, and I hope Harper also gets to, to continue to look strong. I thought these were uh, both good moves on WWE's part.
3: Yeah, Drake's a good talker, so uh, it can't hurt to try it.
2: Um, and then finally here, coming out of SmackDown, backstage news, PW Insider reporting. Yesterday, Road Dog gave his uh, word to management that he's going to be stepping down as the SmackDown co-head writer, co-lead writer. Um, He, uh, from what the report says, was just burned out by Vince McMahon's constant desire to, to make changes. And, you know, SmackDown, I guess something must have happened where the next day he walked in and he said, I, I can't do this anymore. Uh, big loss here. I think Road Dog had been responsible for really helping to bring SmackDown to where it is now. It just became a much more enjoyable show, I think, once he took over as creative.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, nobody's immune to the frustrations that can be when you're trying to put, you know, a lot of effort into things and, you know, you're, your boss who you know has the right to ultimately trump your uh, decisions is constantly changing things. You know, um, I, I mean, first off, it, it, Road dog has been in the creative situation for more than three years. I mean, that's, that's an eternity in this day and age in terms of being on a WWE creative team, given the fact that they're how, like, I mean, how long each individual week is and just how long their years are when you really break it down. So uh, I, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that some kind of a break is probably needed or just even just a decline in responsibility if possible. Um, You know, I mean, who knows? I, I I almost wonder, I almost wonder if maybe he kind of knew this in his head that he was ready to take a a step back or something and he just waited until he got through what is the WWE calendar year, which is through mania. I, you know, I don't know, but I I mean, it's, you know, again, uh, if you look at just, if you look at time, people, I mean, that's, that's a long time anyway. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a tough, tough, long, long job to have. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to make decisions and you're getting, getting things changed, I mean, that's eventually going to wear on anybody.
2: Well, and I wonder, too, because there was this story uh, in the same report about Road Dogg uh, stepping down as the SmackDown co-lead writer uh, about another writer who had been fired at the Hall of Fame because Bret Hart mentioned Vince McMahon's name in his speech. And I guess Vince is very touchy about that. He doesn't want his name mentioned. And so they fired that writer, and then in the DX segment, they did the whole Vince McMahon routine, like ragging Vince again. And I don't know if maybe that wasn't something that played into Road Dogg there where he was like, this is ridiculous. You just fired this kid for for something stupid. I don't know. That also kind of lingered in the back of my mind, you know?
3: Yeah, I have no clue. I, I think there's probably more to that story of the of the writer with the spread speech. I, and I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of questions, and, I, and I'll write them off. Of you know, One is, obviously, you know, there was a very unfortunate situation in the Brett speech of like of, of the fan that's that rushed the ring. So like, you know, does, Vin, is, does Vince fire this writer after Brett's speech? And is Vince already now just an emotional rage of of things because of the, of the scary incidents happen? Is that trigger his annoyance for Brett's speech? I mean, you know, like, are you telling me Vince didn't see the script at all for what Brett was going to say? And that it had Vince's name? in? It? I mean, I don't know. Like, there's just a lot of questions and things that I wonder that we might, we don't know right now that like, just makes me wonder, like, how did this all unfold? Like, uh, I don't know. It's a a bizarre story.
2: Yes, uh, very bizarre. Well, speaking of bizarre stories coming out of WrestleMania weekend at the WWE Hall of Fame, you were live and watched this one play out, uh, Justin. It was the buzziest story, I think, of the weekend. Bret Hart got attacked. Uh, A crazy fan uh, attacked him out of the ring. This guy has made social media comments about Vince and WWE. I guess he's an amateur MMA athlete. Uh, Travis Brown, Dash Wilder, Davy Boy Smith Jr., Shane McMahon, pack of dogs on a three-legged cat. Uh, they were on this guy. Uh, Dash was, of course, the one who infamously got the, uh, uh, the the shot in on the guy that everybody was raving about. Uh, the L.A. Times is reporting the fan got charged with two counts of assault in third degree and disorder in the third degree and disorderly conduct. Uh, this guy's lucky; he made it out with his life. Justin, you tag Bret Hart. In a room full of wrestlers, I'm surprised he, you know, didn't get his ass kicked further. And honestly, uh,
3: yeah, this was scary. I, 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 saw it from the start. I, 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 I saw this guy jump
2: the.
3: <clears throat> I saw this guy hit the floor. I'm watching him run across the arena floor, I'm watching one security guard chase him. Um, and, you know, people aren't on edge at these shows. A the Hall of Fame is a very relaxed night. Everybody's amongst friends. Everybody's in a good mood. Um. And normally, obviously, the Hall of Fame, the stage is where the speeches are, you know, like, so there's just, and everybody on the floor is, and I've sat on the floor for these Hall of Fames, it, it, everything's controlled, and it's just, you just don't, you're not worried about things, is, is my point. This year, they did the po- They did the, the, the speeches in the, in the ring, because they already had the ring set up because of NXT being the night before, which was new on the schedule. Uh, so basically there's no barricades anywhere on the floor. There's no barricades separating, you know, the, the only barricade is just what separates the arena floor in the, the lower bowl, which is a very easy barricade to jump over, which this guy obviously showed us. It was scary. Um, the people around me were, there were those, those people around me screaming. And and, and, and to set the scene, I know, sound, I know that now that everything's passed and we know that everything's fine now. You have to remember, as everybody's in a very relaxed mode and, 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 you just see this rogue guy go into the ring and then physically attack this 60-plus year old man. I don't want to use the word like terrorism, but you had this feeling of something's wrong. This is not right. This is scary. This is this is negative. This is something bad's happening. Luckily, obviously, the situation was quickly diffused, and he was, you know, whatever. But it, this was a this was an extremely extremely unsettling moment. And uh, and I and I and I would have to imagine moving forward if they. Continue with the same setup of the ring and what have you with the Hall of Fame and such in the future that they will have barricades or if barricades don't look aesthetically pleasing, there will be a whole lot more of security standing in place and in guard to prevent anything like this.
2: Yeah, very scary. Um, Post-wrestling reporting that Bray Wyatt is expected back on WWE TV soon. Um, You know, they're airing these new buzzard-in-a-box vignettes um, on Raw and SmackDown. That's what I'm calling them, the buzzard in the box vignettes. Uh, I would think this has to be an allusion to Bray's imminent return, correct?
3: Or the second coming of the uh, gobbledygooker.
2: Oh, you're right. Son of the gooker. That's That's what everybody needs. Uh, and lastly, here we'll shut out with an we a- We'll we'll wrap up with a little bit of AEW news. Uh, first of all, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, after being provoked by Billy Gunn, took some shots at AEW at the Hall of Fame. Uh, w F A N was recently speaking with Jim Ross, who's the new senior advisor for AEW. He said AEW is going to have a two-hour show starting in October. He said when you guys find out who the network is, you guys are going to be doubly excited at Bite Oracle. Uh, on Twitter is now reporting that Warner Media Group, which operates Turner Sports, TBS, and TNT, is reportedly going to be presenting AEW at their upfronts to advertisers later this month. Um, that's in line with everything I've been he- hearing. I absolutely think they're going to be on TNT um, or or TBS, but most likely TNT would be my guess, considering the, the legacy and the history there. Uh, if true, and uh, you know they've got that Tuesday night dynamite. I would think we're going to see a Tuesday night. it uh, Sounds like two hour show starting October from AEW on TNT, which is crazy and exciting to say to say out loud. And if that's the case, I think that WWE counters on FS1 by dropping NXT on that Tuesday time slot to go head to head with them. Um, you think my my money's correct here? You think I'm on the pulse, or do you think I'm off base?
3: Uh, I definitely think you're somewhere in the range. I think it's all. I think everything you said is very possible. And then I just wonder with SmackDown. You know, Fox said openly that. Uh, SmackDown being on Friday nights, it's probably a short-term thing. So then it makes me wonder, okay, well, where the hell do they move SmackDown if it's not going to be on Friday? And obviously it won't be on a Monday. Yeah. Uh, do they, you know, I mean, I agree with you. NXT seems like, based upon the crowd, you think AEW is initially going to garner that NXT is WWE's best chance to combat such on a Tuesday night of a head-to-head. So, again, it makes me wonder where does SmackDown move? And, again, in all, in all of this... The the amount the logistical challenges that it, it provides to WB in terms of their crew, in terms of doing TV on nights that are very scattered across the week, um, you know, that's a whole other, uh, whole other challenge from an expense and a personnel standpoint.
2: Uh, and lastly, here Eli Drake was released by Impact Wrestling this past week due to some controversial comments he made about the company. Um, and PW Insider is reporting that some in Impact believe that
4: he is AEW bound. With the infamous. Road Warrior Animal of the Legion of Doom here at WrestleCon. First off, WWE Hall of Famer, amazing tag team. Tell us about today. Well, you know,
5: he, here we are in New York City, WrestleCon, right? The biggest weekend in our business history. And, you know, besides, wrestling fans are culmination fans, right? You got baseball, basketball, hockey, they're all wrestling fans. Some of the greatest fans in the world are wrestling fans, right? So that's why we come here on the weekends and, uh, and we go out all over the country. But today, man, it's like a culmination of very, you know, a lot of great stars here. I'm here next to Teddy Long and Brett the Hitman Hart and Sergeant Slaughter and, you know, Arn Anderson and the Iron Sheik of all people, oh, right? Man. Bro, it's going to be awesome, man. So it's a great time. It's always great to see the fans come on out here today at WrestleCon. Get on the – put on the 1992
4: SummerSlam gold pads for a pitcher. That's awesome. awesome. That is pretty sweet. You know, and Animal got to ask you, you know, Road Warriors, of course – redefined tag team wrestling, became the team in wrestling. Tell me about all the experiences. When you look back on your time as a road warrior, do, do things get more special for you as time goes on? You know, uh, this year marks number year number 35 that Hawk and I would have been
5: together. And Hawk's been gone since 2003, right? So it's kind of like a bittersweet thing. But, you know, it's a testament of time that we did something right in the business, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fans loved us because we were a product of the people. We didn't try to insult the wrestling fan. We were inner city guys. We got lucky. We made it. We're two gym rats, bounced in bars, and <laughs> did things we shouldn't do, collecting money for people. But And we made it, man. And that's why I think our relationship with the fans are, is
4: phenomenal. And, you know, one of the most infamous moments in wrestling history, you go back, Starcade, the scaffold match, and then the pumpkin throwing, you guys yeah, did, you know, yeah. throwing those pumpkins smashed up. Tell me about the scaffold match. I mean, how scary was that? Oh, uh,
5: scaffold match is probably one of the worst matches I've ever been involved in. You're 30 <laughs> feet above the ring on a three-foot-wide scaffold. I was 320 pounds, so I was like McGill a Gorilla up there on the scaffold. And it was wobbly and shaky, and uh, sometimes our own crew couldn't put it up. The union crew had to put it up. And it wasn't the same scaffold, I'll tell you that right now. But that was probably the most dangerous match, besides bob wire matches and cages and towers of doom and all that stuff. The war games, you know, I've been involved in a lot of crazy matches, man. But, you know, probably our biggest claim to fame is that we won the big three. You know, AWA, WWF, and NWA tag team belts. And no one will ever be able to do that again, man. So I'll go down in history of that fact. There will always be that road warrior pop.
4: Right. Ah, that, and that's, you know, describe that to people talk about that road warrior pop. Uh, through the curtain, they're watching it and gorilla position, things like that. Uh, what is it about that pop that just really stands the hair up on, on your back
5: well I mean it's it's like raising the roof man we Hawk and I had the ability that that when our music played people went freaking berserk because <laughs> they knew someone was gonna get an ass kicking yeah and uh that that's just the way we presented it and we went out there and we always gave the fans 110 miles an hour 110 percent and uh, we never took a night off you know what I mean and, and fans work hard man a lot of these fans out here man god bless them they budget their checks, whether the beginning of the month or middle of the month or end of the month, right? And they budget to just go to our events. So you gotta be, I, it pisses me off when guys take a night off. You gotta give them 100%, man. That's what it's all about.
4: Just two more quick things from Road Warrior Animal here at WrestleCon, New York City, Manhattan. If Hawk were here now, what would you tell him?
5: Well, I would have to tell you to say, Hawk, if Hawk were here now, you know what you'd say. Oh, what a rush. That's what Hawk would say. He would have a blast, man. He loved New York City. You know, we did our first photo shoot here with Pro Wrestling Illustrated and we were coming up the subway and literally there was a wino sitting there on the ground and, and uh Hawk goes, Animal. I ain't got no cash on me. Give me a hundred dollars. So he and I both give this wine a hundred bucks. He was down and out on his times. You could tell, man. And the guy was having a hard time. So he ended up with two hundred dollars. Probably went and bought two two hundred dollars for the Boone's farm. You know. <laughs> you know, so, bro. Yeah, man. It's awesome, man. But um,
4: last thing. Any final messages here to all the fans here? at Cod. What a rush.
5: Yeah, man. Come on out, bro. I'm gonna be here from nine to four today. Same thing tomorrow. <laughs> I'm also doing metal uh, mark out at the Meadowlands with Jr. on Sunday morning, you know. So come on out! I got the gold shoulder pads, put them on hey, for a hey, photo, hey, you know. And, uh, if you want to find out anything about wrestling news, I got a podcast, my Water Rush podcast. Yeah, man. So uh, just just find it, and, uh, and uh, it'll be great.
4: We're here at WrestleCon for WrestlingInc.com with the legendary Eric Bischoff, WCW, NWO, WWE. He is here today, and eric it's really a pleasure to meet you and uh talk about this weekend first and foremost i mean there's a lot of people here every time i come to one of these events
6: i'm amazed at just how big they become Uh, every year they're bigger every year there's more people you see a lot of the same people but you see a lot of people that have never been to one of these events before which suggests to me that they're really growing yeah the other thing that really amazes me is i've met I've only been here now for a couple hours. Right. I've had fans from Kuwait, uh, Italy, the UK, you know, all over the UK, uh, Germany, um, Peru.
4: Wow! No,
6: it's. I mean, wrestling is such an international footprint,
4: and you really notice it when you come to an event like this yeah it's pretty special of course wrestlemania 35 the first ever wrestlemania where women will be highlighting the main event talk about that progression i'm sorry talk about oh, that Enzo progression. over here is <laughs> making a little he's like blowing a roof off the <laughs> yeah. building over here i can't hear anything yeah i talk about that progression with this main event with, with the women's evolution
6: well obviously it's extremely interesting i think it's timely um the the audience was ready for it, and I think you know culturally here in the United States we're ready for it. And then you can't find three more capable, compelling, um, interesting athletes to compete in it. So I'm I'm very very happy for all, all three of those ladies. They're, they've they've worked their guts out. They've worked so hard, and to be able to accomplish that, I think is such a a main event status is such an amazing thing. I'm I'm very proud. Not of them because I didn't have anything to do with it, but I'm proud for them.
4: Fantastic, Eric. Just two more quick things here. We'll get you back to your fans here at WrestleCon. Is you probably get a question? Oh, hey, what's your favorite moment all the time? But best moment, worst moment in your career?
6: You know, I get asked that a lot, and over the years, I've thought about it different ways. But I honestly, I think that when I look back at the day that I was most excited to be in the wrestling business was probably when I first went to work with Vern Gagne back in 1987 because I never aspired to be in the wrestling business. I never dreamt it would be possible uh, and I grew up a fan of it and I was a fan of Vern's so to just by sheer coincidence end up working for him was eh, that's probably my, my best day. My, yeah. my worst day Oh, God, there were so many of those. I kind of put them all out of my mind. And I I don't think about negative things. There was no bad day.
4: Yeah, awesome. And last quick thing right now Eric Bischoff here at WrestleCon New York City is what does it take to be successful in this industry?
6: As a performer, um, probably a lot of the same characteristics it takes to be successful as an actor or an actress or a musician uh, or any, you know form of art that one would decide to embrace as a talent. Uh, charisma, athleticism, you know the ability to you know work a microphone uh, and a lot of it is timing. you know there's been a lot of great characters that have come along and the, the timing wasn't quite quite right for them or, or characters that um, would have been better in a different era. So so much of it is just timing, luck, hard work, charisma, good fortune you know all those things
4: yeah. <laughs> all those things wrapped into one and eric i'll leave it up to you right here right now on wrestlinginc.com here at wrestlecon in new york city is i mean to be the only person to legitimately go head-to-head with vincent man and beat them for an extended amount of time that's that's heavy stuff you know I, I it is i guess i but i don't i don't think
6: about it you know i know it, it comes up in conversations or in interviews but I don't look at it that way, you know? I don't look at my career in that respect. I know the show's called 83 Weeks, so one would suggest that yep. that's what we're you know, focused on. But it really isn't. You know, what, what I try to focus on on that podcast is not the fact that we beat them 83 weeks in a row or whatever the number was, but it's all of the changes that took place during that period of time, during those 83 weeks, um, where it really changed the industry as we knew it then. and even as we know it now. and i That's the part I like to think about, and that's the part I'm most proud of.
4: Eric Bischoff here at WrestleCon in Manhattan, Wrestlemania Weekend, WrestlingInk.com. Eric, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thank you.
2: At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show our good friend. He's got a view from the turnbuckle. It's our buddy Jesse
0: Collings. Jesse, welcome back to The Winkley. Thanks, Nick. I'm very happy to be here. Um, we were just talking to him. Very happy that you're okay after your extremely long weekend in New York. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I, like I was telling you before we got on the air here, Jesse,
2: it was long. I'm sure you're surprised to find out it was largely a blur. I had to pull up the uh, the results here for the G1 just to make sure I remember everything, you
0: know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm
0: very impressed with your work and the work that everyone did. I think this was by far the best, the best WrestleMania week, weekend that uh, Wink had. (laughs) <laughs> Since I've been here five years.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's it, you know, like I was telling you I wanted to to wait till we got in the air. You brought that up. You mentioned that. You know, for me, it was my first year with Wrestling Inc. Covering uh, WrestleMania, and I really wanted to put off some BD energy. I wanted to be like, I will go there longer. I will cover more shows. I will outwork all of you. I mean, I'm I'm very much. I've got that old school German work ethic mentality deep in my soul. I'll just out I'll just outrun you. You know, I wanted to make that very clear here. My first time coming out.
0: Yeah, I know. I got that. I think that was your, your was your tweet on Monday night or Tuesday, where you said anyone that's not staying here till Wednesday is is lying. <laughs> WrestleMania weekend isn't over. Yes. Yeah. At the end, I could feel like. That those poor people, like I feel like the people at the SmackDown taping must have just been exhausted. Like they're there because they had the tickets, but I can't imagine them having much energy.
2: You know, it's wild that you say that because I actually thought SmackDown was a fuck uh, a far larger or uh, far more energetic show than Raw because, like Raw, Raw had some good energy. I mean, they turned on that main event, no kidding. Uh, but they, uh, you know, with with SmackDown. You know, you got to the show to start with Kofi, unabashedly Kofi in the New Day, just having fun. That really got everybody whipped up and ready to go. And mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, honestly, like for me this year, too, since I was working so much, I partied a little bit, but I largely like behaved myself. I had a ton of energy. I was ready to go. I, I, I thought SmackDown was a good show.
0: I think maybe, maybe people just had to get over the wall. Mm, Like mm. they had just been at some point you just get so exhausted where it doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you started picking up energy again.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. uh, You should listen to the episode I did yesterday. I recapped my adventures over the past two days on the show, but I got through a little of it. Yeah. I haven't finished it. The after SmackDown, I wound up at a bar called McMahon's and Uh, there was this guy who had acquired a ketchup dispenser, like one of the big ones, the like pump handle ketchup dispenser, from the concessions area and had brought it to the bar with him and was holding it over his head and was really like the hero of the bar. Everybody was very into ketchup mania.
0: Yeah, well, I saw that. I said, that's when I really started getting worried about you, Nick. I started worrying about the crowd you were falling into. And I was like, oh, these are Nick's friends now. These, scound- these, these scoundrels that are stealing ketchup <sighs> dispensers from the Barclays Center.
2: You know what I didn't say in the podcast, though, was I talked to his buddy and uh, his friend told me that the night before he had acquired a mustard dispenser as well. So this was not, like, the first
0: time for this guy. It's like, you know, Pokemon. He's got to catch them all. All them dispensers. Yeah, the relish dispensers in New York got to get uh, mm. be on high alert. They better mm. have a photo of him saying, do not allow this man to enter the building.
2: All right. Well, let's get to what we're we're here today to talk about, Jesse. We, now, weren't, I, we weren't here to talk about the ketchup dispensers, killer. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding you. I've gotten more messages about that than any other story I told on that podcast. People <laughs> are like, I want to know more about this ketchup guy. What is going on with this? uh let's talk about the g1 supercard i held off on the podcast i didn't want to dive too deep into my thoughts i don't even i didn't even put a whole bunch of g1 uh news bits in the in the winkly run sheet today because i wanted to get to it all here with you now i was in, i was there in the media row uh i watched the whole show you were you were watching from home just real quickly before we get into some of the news coming out of it what was your hot take coming out of the show how did you feel roh and new japan delivered here
0: I thought the show was really good. I thought that there were a few parts of it that kind of were slow, particularly the women's match Mm. and kind of the lull in between the women's match and the Bully Ray match when you had the rapper come out. But Mm. other than that, I thought for a show that was that long, it actually moved along pretty well. And in comparing it to WrestleMania, I think the problem with WrestleMania being that long is because they throw in a lot of filler matches late on the card. And with the New Japan ROH show... You got to see, like, the you were still waiting for, like, the four biggest matches on the card as, as you know, the last four matches were the biggest matches. So you were able to kind of didn't feel like it was dragging because you had matches that I think everyone wanted to see towards the end as opposed to just kind of throwing out, like, the Finn Balor-Bobby Lashley match, like, as a cooler match.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I thought it was nice that they got more time here. Yeah, it was a long show. It went longer than I would have preferred. Um, but I'm with you. I thought the pacing of the show was really good. Uh, being inside of it, uh, you know, it, it had the energy. It had the feel of, like, a big historic show. Just, like, being – I'd never been in the Garden. It felt really cool. You could tell the talent was getting a lot out of it. And the fans largely seemed into it as well. Now, I will put an asterisk in that um, because, you know, I, I, I'll start off by talking about it. I haven't talked about this at all. Like, the Enzo and Cass stuff, where they jumped the barricade after the, uh, the tag match, the four-way tag match – That really uh, took – that was the only time in the entire night where, like, I felt like the energy got pulled out of the room. It was very weird, and, like, you guys didn't get to see
0: any of that on TV, right? It was really obvious to to me that Enzo – and I did not know Cass until I started seeing people on social media being like, Cass is here too. But you could see it on TV that Enzo – like it was Enzo or i just assumed it was Enzo cuz i saw like his distinctive hair and i'm like well of course Enzo jumped the barricade and i must i must be like a huge mark because i thought it was a shoot for like a long time it wasn't until really like the next day where i was certain certain it ended up being a work but it was weird the way they filmed it was like if you wanted to convince people that it was a shoot they did a really good job because they cut away from it and they had the announcer like the um The commentators kind of talking and they were like killing time talking about like the Zack Sabre Jr. Hiroshi Tanahashi match that was upcoming. Yeah. And like they did like a really bad job talking about it. Like it was like, yeah, that British heavyweight championship, it's a it's a big title. Like it was very they made it look like it was very clear that they like were not prepared to start you know, waste five minutes talking about this match because it was so they were delivering it in such like an awkward way. And that was really convincing to me to be like, wow, they like did not know that this was going to happen. And maybe they didn't. I don't know if the announcers knew or not, but if you want, I mean that end zone casting, that's one of the, the key like negative takeaways you can have from the show is that ring of honor is trying, uh, to build up their roster again. They obviously were, uh, hit pretty hard by the elite leaving because those guys were the biggest dress for the company and they're trying some different stuff. And some of it I really like and a lot. it was all evident at the G one super card, but some of the other stuff I don't think is going to work out too well.
2: Yeah, it was, it was really weird with the end zone cast stuff because you don't feel, don't feel bad about believing it for as long as you did because I will say us in the press row watching it play out. Um, it, I would say across the board, everyone for the first five minutes or so thought there was an element of like shoot to this. Now pretty quickly, a lot of stuff started to dawn on us. Like, Hey, there was no security guards. Why are you applying a rear naked choke on Jay Briscoe cast? That's like a weird, you know, windmill punches, you know, even, yeah, bullet, you know, that was the yeah. teller
0: to me was that like, they had like a very realistic, like fighting exchange as opposed to like, for instance, at roughly the same time, there was the incident at the hall of fame, And you saw how that fan who who tackled Bret Hart was handled. He wasn't, like, Irish whipped into the barricade or anything like that.
2: (laughs) No, he was not.
0: No, he was beaten within an inch of
2: his life by some very angry big men. And, uh, you know, it was funny because we we had all been in – we were all in the press room. We're covering the G1, the Bret news breaks, so we all get distracted by that. We're all having to cover the Bret Hart story at the same time we're all covering (laughs) the G1. It became a mess. And then the Enzo Cast stuff happens, and we're all just like, "What is going on right now?" You know. And I think that had the Brett stuff not happened, there would have been a little less legitimacy given to the Enzo Cast stuff as soon as it happens. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you kind of
0: put in a mood, right? Like mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh man!" Like, and, and like Enzo, like to be fair, from Ring Honor's perspective, like if you were to tell me that a former wrestler was going to try to jump the barricade at the G1 supercard and like said, guess who it is. The first person I'd pick is Enzo because he's been kicked out of wrestling events before for causing a scene.
2: Yeah. You know, and it I think that it's, it's just an interesting pick and I get it. Okay. You know, people are gonna be like, Oh, look how much attention they got. Look how many people uh, are, we're talking about it. And it's like, for me, you know, I, I get it, but I don't think this was a good move on their part. And I heard that uh, like unilaterally from a lot of people here. Uh, this past weekend I mean it it, regardless of the backstage heat that Enzo and Cass uh, allegedly have where most of the locker does not want to be working with them I just think if you're an ROH fan those guys don't work your style right you're not going to be turning on ROH to watch Enzo and Cass go out there and do that if you're if you're WWE fan I don't I think they're I think they've soured on Enzo and Cass I don't think there's interest there I don't know who you bring to the table with this move that's what I'm saying
0: yeah, they're not the typical kind of people that R- Ring of Honor bring in. Ring of Honor is built on guys having really good matches. And I get it. They're, you know, they lost a lot of star power in the last few months. You, and you got to find you think you go out there and you're like we need names, we need someone that we think can draw. Here are these two guys that are names. They they were popular at a to- during a time in WWE, but I don't really think that they're going to be big impact players in Ring of Honor and whatever fans you bring in because of Enzo McCas, I think you're also at risk losing fans who don't care about them. Personally, I don't really want to see Enzo wrestling anymore. That's something that's not appealing to me as a fan. Maybe to some people who still really like him, it definitely is, and they might check out Ring of Honor. But as someone that's been a Ring of Honor fan for a long period of time, he's not the kind of guy I expect them to bring in. I will say one thing, um, and it's a little different, but – Um, If you remember, like maybe five years ago, uh, Ring of Honor brought in Matt Hardy, and it was right after Matt Hardy had kind of ran in TNA when when Hogan and Bischoff were there. And he wasn't really – he kind of flamed out in TNA. He wasn't in good shape. He just wasn't – he kind of felt like this old, stale guy trying to hold on to the end of – end of his career. And I was like, what is ring of honor who at the time, you know, had Kevin Steen and Roderick strong and red dragon and all these guys. And I'm like, what is ring of honor bringing it, doing, bringing in Matt Hardy? He is not the kind of guy that ring of honor normally brings in. And Matt to his credit did a really good job playing this heel character of like, I'm this big famous guy and look how much money I have. And all these, you know, stupid indie guys don't like me because I'm so famous. And, And it really worked. And he actually was a great heel. And that kind of turned or began to turn around his career. He went back to TNA. He came up with the broken Matt character and really, you know, salvaged the rest of his career. And I think maybe Enzo, the idea is that Enzo could do something similar. But again, there's a big difference between Enzo Amore and Matt Hardy, who's at the time was still basically a legend in wrestling and was, you know, had a pedigree of being a really good wrestler and a good entertainer while enzo does not have nearly that kind of track record that matt hardy had
2: yeah i mean it's apples and oranges to me i do think that's an interesting comparison but you're right i mean the the pedigree and the the camaraderie that the hardys had built with the the wrestling community was very different you know and there's a mm-hmm. there's a couple other things i want to say about this first uh, before we because before, we'll touch on a couple other things here just yeah. a little bit but um i felt bad because you you talk about how the announcers were like oh you know distracted and they weren't really putting over zach saber jr and Hiroshi Hiroshi Tanahashi on commentary. Um, The fans didn't... I mean, this was a good... I I couldn't tell you what happened. I mean, everybody was so confused and just distracted by what had just happened, and they were all on their phones. I I felt so bad for Zack Sabre Jr. and Tanahashi because I felt like the, the attention from their match was taken. I also felt bad for the Gorillas of Destiny here who had just won the tag titles, and the moment was also taken from them for this moment. And those are two new Japan moments that were taken from them by an ROH decision. And I don't really think it was until Ibushi versus Naito uh, started happening that people really started to get refocused on the show again, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know, watching at home, definitely the gorillas of destiny. People kind of forgot that they were, uh, they had won the match. And, but I will say watching at home, the Tanahashi saber match, I thought the crowd was actually really into it. Oh, I thought like I, I remember just... seeing them, like, wow, this is a crowd that's really into like submission wrestling, like more so. Like I've never seen a crowd that big get like yeah. really into like submission holds and stuff like that. So I thought maybe I mean, obviously, in the in the arenas is probably it might have been different. But yeah. at home, at least to the viewer at home, I thought that the crowd was was making noise for, for, for the match.
2: OK, yeah, that's it. That's interesting. I'm glad to hear it came across like that on TV. And maybe, again, it was just like the environment I was in, because I'm in, you know, the press section and we're all trying to like get answers You know, so we can tell people what the F is going on. So, you know, uh, you know, I think that may have been it. But I, you know, I heard from other people, too. When I when I just brought that up after the show, I was like, you guys remember watching this? Like, no, we were all on our phones. So (laughs) I I don't know. Um, uh, Lastly on this, um, you know, I I was asking around trying to figure out, you know, what happened here because it just seemed like such a cluster. Um, I have heard, um, though, I don't think I could ever get this confirmed on the record from, from either creative, but it did sound like the ROH and New Japan creative teams were being very protective of their booking and not allowing it to get towards one another in certain ways. And for that reason, I'm not a hundred percent certain that the new Japan talent in this situation um, either knew at all in zone cast were going to do it. I don't really believe that. I think they knew there was going to be something involving them, but I don't think they knew that it was going to happen in that moment, which is why I think you saw it exceptionally pissed off Tamatanga. Uh, in that in that situation, and um, it's just it's just weird to me because if you watch it back, and, and there's there's a the reason I say that I believe the credibility of those stories I was hearing is if you watch it back, ROH is doing that story at the same time, New Japan is doing a completely yep. different storyline at the same time, where Yano is taking the IWGP titles and doing like the comedy spot at the top of the stage. You had just com- two completely different storylines colliding on on the top of each other in that moment and um i I, to me it just sounded like a mess and you know i think new japan showed up and did their thing and was contributed a lot but i am a little i'm a little perplexed about roh's decision to execute that the way they did and again just take attention away from what i thought was that title change and uh, you know again for me in the stadium i i felt like i was I, I, I got robbed a little bit of the Tanahashi Sabre match because I was just, you know, so confused about what I was watching.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point to make. In, um, the Ring of Honor and New Japan relationship is is very interesting and will probably continue to be interesting um, now that this Madison Square Garden show is over.
2: Yeah, I agree. So, you know, we'll see. I think they've got like another, a little less than a year uh, contract together, New Japan and ROH. I also heard um, that New Japan may not be too happy about what happened in the ladder match. Where a fan got hit in the chest with a ladder by when Jay Lethal chucked it out of the yeah, ring.
0: You saw that on TV.
2: How did that come across on TV? Uh bad.
0: <laughs> I didn't see it up close. I so, mean the, 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 did so you... the ladder was like it was like two ladders that had been like wedged in between each other that made it look like an X. So it was like kind of this cool ladder structure, but what made it it made it really unwieldy. And uh like, Jay, like, was, like, just trying to, like, pick it up and get it out of the ring, and he threw it. And it, since it's so awkward, it kind of, like, bounced off of the outside area, and, like, part of it, like, bumped into a fan. And the fan, like, I, I didn't really see if the fan got, like, whacked, like, right in the teeth with it. I think they were probably okay, but, you know, the crowd after that was chanting, that's a lawsuit. And yeah that is, you know, that's not the first thing. Do you remember a couple of, uh, I think, last summer, I forget which specific show, might have been the Cow Palace show, where they had the incident where the guys got whipped in front of the barricade in front of the announce table, and they uh, it was Jay White and Juice Robinson, I think, and they toppled over the announce table, and and Jr. you know fell backwards off of his chair, and that was kind of an ugly oh, scene. That, that so, was
2: that was at the G, That wasn't uh, ROH. That was the G one
0: Long Beach show. Right? Was it the Long Beach show or no? Right, not, right. but, show or no? I they, think it was the Cow Palace show. Okay. Um. In July, but I might be wrong. It was one of the shows they had in America last sure. year. Yeah, I know what you're uh, talking about. Yeah, and I mean that was kind of another instance. I mean you gotta avoid those kind of things. Even when Jay was picking up the ladder and trying to get it off of the over the ropes, I was like, this is a like not that doesn't look super safe that he has that. And that was a, I mean, that was a really dangerous match, all things considered. I there were some terrible, terrible. I thought it was great, but there were some really scary bumps in that match.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it's, scary, but it's a ladder match. You know, you're going to see some scary stuff in ladder matches. You know, these guys, that, you know, this was a statement show. I think these guys obviously wanted to make a statement. I'm really happy they went with Matt Taven with the title just because, like, A, I like Matt, but B, you know, they've had this storyline building for this guy for so long. Um, about how he's been robbed of the title. There's a conspiracy against him. If not now, then whenever. I feel like if he hadn't won at the Garden, it would have been impossible to get him back to that main event picture. So, you know, we'll get to see how Matt Taven does on top. I'm, I'm optimistic, but, you know, you know, he's been, with the fans, kind of hot and cold over the past- uh, Nick, I think years. that's
0: one of the key takeaways of the show, which is, in general, Ring of Honor was trying to create new stars that people yeah. can get invested in. And that's what you saw with Enzo and Cass. That's what you saw with the uh, the Allure group, the Beautiful People that's right. uh, reboot. And I think uh, that's what you saw with R- Rush winning the 30-second match or whatever. And I think that's what you saw in the main event because I think a lot of people thought – I thought Marty Scurll was going to win it just because Skrull's probably the most popular wrestler in Ring of Honor – But I think long term, you have to get more guys over at the main event level Mm -hmm. and putting the title on Matt Taven. I think I really like what they've done with Matt Taven. I like his story. I think his character is really good as as he's got a really complex, thorough character of this guy who believes he's, you know, destined to win the world championship and he hasn't done it yet. And he's a heel. But there's something admirable about his conviction and how like how he's destined to win this and he's kind of done it he's had i like the idea that he has the kingdom which are these you know tk um and Vinny marcelia who are just like uh, you know they're all new england local guys but they're kind of like they're not like big stars but they're his boys they're his guys and they're this tight unit and they're gonna try to do it together and i just think he's gotten i think he's kind of gotten a bad rap because i think wrestling fans Today and this happens a lot in WWE, but everyone's kind of guilty of it. Is that once you get pegged in at a certain level, it's hard to climb up past that level. And for a long time, Matt Taven was a mid-card guy in Ring of Honor. He was kind of playing the third wheel in the uh, Mike Bennett Maria Canellas group. He hadn't. I don't think people took him seriously as a main event talent. But I think he's put in main event work for like the last year. So. I think he's a good choice to have but I'm not 100% sure all fans are going to buy it because they see him at a certain level and sometimes in, in wrestling it's you, once you get put at that certain level it's tough to get past. Yeah being viewed like
2: that yeah we shall see they're definitely giving him a chance to run here and I and I'm with you you know it's going to be time will tell with Matt Taven as the title holder but uh, you know again if not now then win and I think that you know they at least the role in the dice here and they're going to give him a shot to to prove himself like you said at that main event level um speaking of main event level I'll wrap up here by asking you about uh Okada taking the title back here uh defeating Jay White what do you think the decision how do you think they came to that decision and what do you see coming out of it what do you think's next for Okada and Jay White
0: well, the goal was always to get the title back at Okada. Okada is New Japan's – he's the face of the company in, in a way that now it looks like um, – like kind of in the way Roman Reigns was supposed to be the face of WWE or more – a better app comparison was the way John Cena was. It's always going to come back to Okada at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And so this was kind of like – Jay White winning the title was kind of basically – I'm sure that as soon as Jay White won the title – The idea was Okada's going to win the title back at the G1 Supercard. I think that was – they wanted to do a title change at this big show, and I thought the match was really good. I think Jay White still isn't over the way I think New Japan wants him to be over. I thought he felt like just a guy in the ring with Okada. It wasn't a clash of two big superstars. It was a clash against Kazushika Okada and his opponent. And but the one thing I will say about Jay White as champion was that it was refreshing because it did seem like you had a lot of new matches to do. And Okada's the champion again, which is great. He's a great champion. He has great matches with everyone, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of fresh matchups for Okada to have. You know, he already he just wrestled Sonata at the end of the um New Japan Cup. Can you go back to him versus Tanahashi? We've seen that. Even though the matches are great, we've seen that a lot. Um you I don't know if you want to do him and Naito again. To me, it seems like Naito would be a good pick to win the G1 and, and, and wrestle Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, then you have Ishii, you have Ibushi, but it all seems like stuff we've seen before. At least with Jay White, there was a, a cavalcade of new matches that you could have, and I think that's going to be a problem for New Japan is just kind of keeping things fresh because they really, you know, especially with Kenny uh, gone, that's a, that's a total main event star that you don't have anymore yeah. for these big main event level matches. And I don't know who they're going to have to help liven things up. You have, that's why I think, you know, you're seeing Osprey get a bigger push and you're seeing Zack Sabre Jr. Get a bigger push because they need more main event guys that can be in these big title matches.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Jesse, I want to thank you so much for sitting here, taking the time to chat with me about the G one Supercard. Uh You were the guy I wanted to talk to about it. And so when, when Raj was like, Hey, you want to talk, I was like, Of course, Jesse and I, we need to talk to you on Supercard. Um, so, uh, with that, what do you want to plug promote over here? What do you want to tell people
0: to find you on, on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Jesse Collings, J E S S E C O L L I N G S. I don't have anything coming up this week uh, on Friday, but just because I'm taking, I've just like you, Nick, I've just had so much wrestling in my life. I need to take a, a quick break, and I can't write anything right now. I had two things posted last weekend. So if you want to check out my WrestleMania review, uh, that's online at WrestlingInc.com. My uh, NXT TakeOver review and my G1 Supercard review are all up at WrestlingInc.com.
2: Thank you very much, Justin, for the top of the show. Thank you to Andy Malnoski for going out and sourcing those interviews with uh, Eric and the Road Warrior Animal. Uh, we will be back tomorrow um, on the Re- Ringside Wrestling app. It's free to download. It's going to be a Friday Winkley. Uh, we're doing regularly in video form. Me and Raj Geary breaking down the top five, six, seven stories of the week. Um, so you can find us over there tomorrow. Uh, also on tomorrow on the Tuesday episode of the Winkly, we're going to have more interviews that Andy did at WrestleCon. But I also is going to have I'm going to have one of my first uh, original interviews uh, from coming back from WrestleMania weekend. I'm going to be sitting down with the one and only the Rocker. Marty Janetti, He's my first interview back, Justin. Marty Janetti. So, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> on Tuesday, me and Marty are going to talk, and you hear more from Andy in the interviews he got at WrestleCon. Uh, and also on Tuesday's show, I want to go ahead and start to tease. We got a big announcement, guys. I got stars in my eyes. I got a big announcement here coming for The Winkly on Tuesday. Can't wait to let you guys know. Uh, all right, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up today's episode of The Winkly?
3: Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Justin LaBar. Friday morning, my wrestling reality podcast will drop i'll talk a little bit i'll talk plenty more about the weekend and go more in depth about things that didn't we didn't talk about on here including sitting with macaulay culkin and that experience uh, and if you happen to be anywhere on the east coast and you get to meadville pa uh this saturday we have our big iwc wrestling night of the superstar show sting the hurricane mvp hardcore holly yours truly uh it'll be a great show Again, it's iwcwrestling.com and meadville pa uh, up in the northwestern part of pa so if you're in ohio new york wherever get to Meadville bill this saturday night
2: all right and uh yes guys i'm at wink rebel over on twitter thank you so much for listening thank you so much for supporting go follow us Wrestling inc audio on itunes leave a five-star rating leave a nice review and remember if you winked you didn't miss it